this for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know where I'm going and how to get there. Now, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We haven't any idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had known who I am, then you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you know him and have seen him. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Good morning. Um, my name is Michael Crocker, and I am your pastor. Um, it has... Um, where have you been? Uh, so for those of you who haven't been here much this summer, um, neither have I. Uh, you might remember previously in New Heights, about three and a half months ago or so, I told you that I couldn't stand you people anymore, and I was leaving. Um, and I needed to get away from you, that it, was, um, it wasn't me, it was you, um, and all of those things. And, um, and so I took a sabbatical. My, my family and I uh, took a sabbatical. We went, uh, we spent some time here um, hiding from, um, from you. Uh, I turned my email off and my phone, and, um, and it was just wonderful. Um, and, then, uh, and then we went um, across the pond, as they say, uh, to England. Uh, where I was taking a class at the C.S. Lewis Institute in Oxford and, um, and spent uh, five weeks there uh, as a family in a little village outside of Oxford, northwest of Oxford, a little village called Blockley, um, where we became um, residents, really, and just accepted as one of theirs. It's not a touristy village. It's a locals' village, and, um, and they welcomed us into their arms, and it was wonderful and beautiful and um, and I, and I learned so much uh, at my, my class in Oxford uh, with Lewis and, and Tolkien and um, C.K. Chesterton and, and, and many others. And um, one of the things that I'm going to do in the future is I'm going to, uh, starting in October, I'm going to be holding um, classes um, uh, to kind of just regurgitate, really, um, what I've learned and then to go further. Uh, I'm going to start with Lewis and, and work through his life and some of his books uh, that I didn't know he'd written. Um, I learned so much about him, um, but I'm not going to do it here at the church uh, because um, Lewis wouldn't want that. Um, instead, I'm going to do it probably at the Lion and the Rose down on Broadway um, in a pub, which is where he spent the majority of his time. Um, and many of the books that you uh, maybe have read and loved were written in pubs. Uh, and so I think that's kind of a, a neat idea. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. Um, come and learn anyway. Uh, and so uh, there will be more information about that later. And, and I'm sure uh, that, that many of the things that I've learned over the summer will, uh, will reveal themselves in time. Um, today I'm following along with the rest of our worshiping congregations in, in John 14 and 6. Uh, and I know that you have been uh, talking about uh, uh, Jesus as the way. Last week, I was here to hear Gail um, speak about Jesus as uh, the truth. And uh, if you're here at 930 last week, it's why I'm not wearing earrings this week, because uh, it was very distracting. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It was just like clank, 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 clank. I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, I'm so ADD. That was just driving me nuts. But, uh, but she looked good, and that's all that really matters. Um, and, and so I am following on with uh, the final one is Jesus is the life. Um, I'm glad they gave me the easiest one. Um, cause like, wow, that's not a broad topic. 
uh, at all. Um, I haven't preached for three months. Great. Let's come back to something really obscure. Jesus's life. What does that mean? Okay. So when I left here, I was um, in a dark place. Uh, I, I, I left. Uh, I told you, I think, that Scott Hare asked me a question. Are you prepared to hear God call you to something other than being a pastor? And I told him at the time, I was like, no, you're crazy, man. I'm called to be a pastor. This is who I am. And, and he laughed and he said, I'm not going to believe anything you say right now. Just wait till you get into your sabbatical and see. And before I left, uh, just some things that went on around here just pushed me to a state that I was like, you know what? I am not only open to being something other than a pastor. Please, sweet Jesus, call me to something other than being a pastor. Um, and so I spent the first part of, um, of my sabbatical um, just shut down completely from God, uh, which may sound weird for somebody who has um, spent the, their career kind of serving God and seeking God, and, um, and I believe it's my life to do that. Uh, but I was at a point where I just, he and I just needed some time um, apart from one another. And I say that knowing that he was never apart from me, but that I just kind of stepped back for a moment. And then when we went to England, um, this was the time that I was like, okay, here we go, God. Let's go. We got five weeks. I had a week extra, so I was there for six weeks. Um, let's go. Let's Let's do this. So uh, one of the things that I did um, is in England, it's very common. And C.S. Lewis was very um, much a regular walk taker. They go on these walks. Now, if you've ever been to England and you've ever been asked by someone to go on a walk with them, you know that they are liars because the word is not walk. The word is hike. Um, their walks, as they call them, are like six miles uphill both ways, you know, on these round circuits through these narrow little passages with thorns and um, beautiful, no less. But they were um, extensive outings that I wasn't prepared for the first one that I went on. I was like, this isn't a walk at all. I hope I get back. Um, and, and so I would go on these walks. And the first part I was listening to, uh, Surprised by Joy, one of uh, Lewis's books about his, um, his conversion into Christianity. Um, and, and I was listening to this, um, every time I would go on a, a walk, um, and, and just hearing his words, um, and they were sinking in and, and I was just seeing the, the beauty and the creation of God. Um, in England, it, it's this quite amazing, um, scenario that, um, uh, the fences, like if you're in Texas and, and you go out and you start walking and you, you're, there's a fence right there, you're like, well, I need to go over there, so I'm just going to hop this fence and keep walking. You don't do that in Texas, right? Because um, you don't know when the guy who owns the land is going to show up with a truck and a gun. Um, it's just if there's a fence, that means you're not, there's a reason the fence is there. It's not just for animals, but it's for people. In England, they don't have that. Um, in England, they have fences, yet they create ways for you to get over the fence. They call them styles. Um, they have either gates or styles, and you step. You, you go on these steps to cross over the fence. Um, it's open passageway. Um, it's, the, it's the rite of passage through all of these lands. And it, it's an understanding that they're going to give you access to cross through this land and to see what you can see as long as you don't mess with their animals or their crops. And so people just walk everywhere, crossing fields and, 
and, and going through. I mean, I don't know how many times I walked through fields where all these cows just walking through cows. Um, there's one field that I walked through that um, I'm like almost pushing sheep out of the way. Uh, it was wonderful. And I was like, move, you know, uh, um, and, and just moving through these things. And, and most of my walks, the halfway point would be at a church, another village. You you'd go through the country, you come out into another village um, and every village has a church. And so you'd You'd see the church because they're just ginormous um, up in the air and, and on, usually on a hill in that village. And so I would go and I'd find the church and I'd go into the church and I'd sit and I'd just be quiet for a while. And then I'd go up to the pulpit and, and most of them always had a Bible open, uh, whatever they were doing that past Sunday. And I would read the scripture that they um, were on. And, and most of the time, God spoke to me in, in this wonderfully gentle way. And so throughout uh, these walks, really, uh, eventually when I was done with Surprise by Joy, I stopped listening to anything and just walked. And all I heard were my footsteps and whatever animals were near me. I came upon in this one wood um, uh, a couple of red stags, these big red stags just off through the branches and stuff. And, and I looked at them and I was so excited and they looked at me um, nonplussed, like whatever, just keep moving, Bella. I came upon a fox one day on a trail. I'm walking um, through this trail, and a fox comes out, and we stare at each other. And I'm freaked out, so excited. I'm like, jolly ho, it's a fox. You know, I'm like, release the hounds um, type stuff. I'm like, this is great. And the fox is looking at me, turns around, and walks on the same path that I am, straight along with me um, for like 50 yards. I was like, this is so weird. Um, there's a fox right in front of me. And then he eventually goes off. Um, I came upon some pheasant out in the wilderness. This is just stuff you don't see in Alamo Heights. You know, I've never been walking through, um, Alamo Heights and seen a fox, um, you know, except my wife. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm walking and I'm, and I'm just letting God really talk to me and just, um, just rest in it. Jenna and I had gone to um, the little church in our village, St. Peter and St. Paul. It was a Church of England uh, church, and we went, and they were very proper there. Um, the vicar wore um, his vestments and his robes and everything, and it was very high Church of England. And, um, and, and he, I spoke to the vicar after the first time that we were there, after the service, uh, and somebody had outed me as a pastor. I really didn't want to be outed, um, but they did, and... Uh, and so uh, he was speaking to me about it, and he's like, oh, yes, we have to do it proper here in, in Blockley because the people here really like it that way. Uh, but they pointed us to another church uh, in a village about 10 minutes away, St. David's, that was also Church of England. Um, but it was, they're like, well, it's contemporary, so it's going to be more of what you're probably used to. Um, no, not, uh, not so much. Uh, there, it, it was contemporary. It was a church that was, um, you know, 600 years old, the building. Uh, but they had screens uh, in there and, um, and, and, and used screens in the sermon and um, had, a, had a worship team that was uh, filled by a lot of high school students, which was awesome to see. And they had like a brass section and um, they weren't, um, they played uh, with their hearts. Um, there you go. That's, yeah, they weren't very good. Uh, it was, <laughs> it was, but they played, they, and it was awesome to see it and, and it was wonderful. And they did a lot of songs that Jen and I didn't know. Um, from the Church of England and, and things of that nature. But then they threw in some that we did in the way that they did it, and it was just great, and it was so fun. Um, 
The first sermon that we heard from, um, from the vicar there, uh, by the way, y'all are going to have to stop calling me vicar because I think that's just awesome. But um, from the, the vicar there was uh, a sermon on Second Kings. And he was talking about these jars of alabaster, and, the, um, and, and this woman was selling them to, um, to pay a debt, and, and, and they just, what, they, what they needed they had. It just kept filling. And, and his, his story went along the lines of um, sometimes we have to empty our jar in order for them to be filled by what God wants them to be filled with. And that was just like, okay. And so I spent the next few days emptying myself. I believe I had been doing it for a while. But I needed to empty a lot. I needed to empty anger. Anger for the way that my job had been going. Anger for my daughter's health. Anger for my tiredness because of those two things. Anger for a lot of different things. I needed to empty sadness. I needed to empty the dark places that I had been in over the past two years. I needed to just empty. I needed to empty the world and just be a void so that God could fill. And over the course of my next few walks, God filled. The next few churches that I sat in, I just felt his presence. It was as if I needed to go to England and to separate myself from the things that were weighing me down, from the things that were killing me, so that I might find life again. So that I might find the way, the truth, and the life. What does it mean that Jesus is life? It means just that. You can look at it obscurely and look at the Greek word and you can do all these different things. A little bit later in, in uh, fourteen nineteen, he says, Because I live, you shall live also. It is through the life of Christ that we find life ourselves. The world wants to stamp us out. And by golly, it does a really good job of it. But if we want freedom, if we want life, if we want to know the truth, then you've got to be on the way. You have to find those paths through the countryside that allow you to empty yourself and be filled by him. A couple of things that I have taken from um, the sabbatical. One, I really like my family. Uh, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love the fact that we love to be together. Because let's be honest, when you're stuck in a little um, cottage in a, in a village across the ocean, if you don't like each other, it's going to be a long five weeks, especially in England when it can rain and you have to be inside at all times. By the way, it rained twice while we were there. We brought South Texas with us. It was 90 degrees, um, multiple days, no rain whatsoever, 
no air conditioning on the entire island of England. And uh, they're like, this is the best weather ever. We're like, we have this back home. We came for cold and wet. Thanks. Um, But it was wonderful. Um, But but I think we need to take those moments where uh, we separate ourselves. Because that's the other thing um, that I learned. Is that I waited too long to step back. I waited too long um, to empty myself and remind myself and let God remind me how much he loves me. I waited too long to find life. It's something that we need to do on a continual basis. It's so easy to distract ourselves with stuff, with opportunities, with technology, with friends. It's so easy to distract ourselves. One of the greatest things about our time in England was the pace of life. If you ask Jenna and I what our favorite thing was, we both probably would say that. I know she would. We would wake up when we would wake up. The kids would come and get in bed with us, and we'd have a little snuggle time, all four of us. And then we'd get up and... And I would cook breakfast and be like, so what are we going to do today? I don't know. Let's just go find something to do. And then we'd do our adventure and we'd usually um, almost always take a picnic lunch with us. And there's parks everywhere in England. It's just wonderful. And you'd just find yourself in a park in some village somewhere down the road and you'd sit down and just enjoy each other. At the end of the day, we'd come home, and there was a park in our village and a little brook running through the village. And, and Jenna would take the kids either to the park or the brook, and, um, and they'd just have fun and play, and, and I would cook dinner. And they'd come home, and about 8 o'clock around is when we would usually eat dinner. We'd go up to the upper garden that looked out over this, um, this hill full of sheep, and you could just hear them in the distance. It was just beautiful. And we'd eat dinner and we'd just laugh and have fun. And then we'd go back downstairs and go to bed. I mean, it stayed light until like 9.30, 9.45. You have to be in bed by 7. <laughs> Who cares? It was so wonderful to have nothing to do. We come back to Texas and um, school is starting and fall ball signups are going on starting today and, um, and, and all of the different things just start happening, all the therapies with grace and all of these appointments and all of the, the ministries are starting up again and it just seems like it's like, whoa, 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 hold on. One of the things that I think is so important for us to do is to hold on to that pace, is to hold on to that sense that the rest of the world can wait. One of the ways that we are trying to do that, and and Jenna will tell you whether or not I'm succeeding. Um, We have different degrees of whether or not we think I'm succeeding. I think I am. Um, I turned the TV on twice while I was in England. Once to watch Andy Murray win the Wimbledon because it was kind of a big deal over there. And even a bigger deal was when Princess Kate had her baby, Prince George. Oh, yeah, that was huge. Um, But the rest of the time we didn't have it on. 
We read books. We played. We went outside. We did all sorts of different things other than watch TV. The other thing I didn't do was have my phone. Um, I didn't want to talk to any of you people. And thankfully, uh, because of international stuff, I just shut everything down. And it was great and wonderful. And I wasn't thinking, ooh, I need to email that person back. Ooh, I need to text them back. They just text me. I better text them right away. Otherwise, you're going to think I'm rude. I mean, oh, you've got to text right away. I need to call them back. I need to do this. I need to do that. Nope. One of the things I'm trying to do is to separate that stuff still, to keep the television off, to put my phone in places that I can't grab it immediately. No, it's been hit or miss. I've done okay. It is college football season, so. But I guess the thing that I really am trying to take from this, the way that I feel like um, I met Jesus as life, is because I emptied myself. I think in order for us to truly understand that Jesus is life, we have to empty ourselves and allow him to remind us, allow him to love us into an understanding, a re-understanding, a remembrance of Jesus as life. Jesus that stands against the darkness of the world. Jesus that stands against the world that says, that's here to, to destroy and says, but I'm here to create. The world is here to steal and Jesus is here to give. When we live our lives in Christ, death has no hold over us any longer. Today we come to the table of our Savior. The table of life. This table that is unlike any other table. I recently read um, Eugene Peterson's book called Pastor, and it's his memoir. Memoir. I don't know how you say that word. It's his remembrance of his life as a pastor. And one of the things he says about he and his wife is that their belief, every time you sit down at a meal, you have the opportunity to experience this meal. When you sit down with people and you share life, That is what this table is about. Life. Life that came through death. Sacrifice. Resurrection. This table is where we get to experience that. But as we come to this table, we come acknowledging that we are sinners. That we do take too much of the world And pour it into our jars. That we are distracted so easily. And sometimes we follow those distractions. And so before we come to this table, um, I would like for us to say this prayer of confession. If you would read this with me. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear this good news. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. On the night in which he was to be betrayed, he sat around the table with his disciples and he took the bread and he broke it, gave thanks for it. And he said, take this, eat all of you. This is my body, which is given for you. After supper was over, he took the cup and he raised it to heaven and he blessed God for it. He said, take this, drink all of you. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. And so we come to this table, this table of life in remembrance of Jesus Christ, of his death, of his resurrection. We come and ask the Holy Spirit to make this be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be holy and living sacrifices, that the world may know life.